What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Sam, join with Matt on this glorious Monday for us Jet fans. The Jets top the undefeated Eagles in a what a riveting game. I don't know how else to put it, but I think if you're a fan of local football yesterday, you got two unbelievable games. Uh, Giants came down to the last play. Uh, we'll get into that. Definitely want to talk some Jets. We'll go around the league, maybe touch touch on a little baseball here and there too. But Matt, I already know how you're doing today. Let's just get right into it. How how are you doing? All things considered, what uh, how high are you? <laughs> I could I couldn't be more ecstatic. There's one way to put it. I I I think the the best way to summarize yesterday is just like. You know, you cannot get a better feeling going into a bye than what the Jets had yesterday. And, you know, no. just the fact that you you have this, it is known around the league, around the tri-state area that the Eagles are, the Eagles are fans. They, they bring about this aura that's like, you know, when they're really good, it's obnoxious. When they're really bad, they're obnoxious. But when they're good, it's like, damn, they're obnoxious and they're good. And to beat them, it was just great. Well, what was your, what were your, some of your initial thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I mean the the the, the easy initial thought, and it's something we talked about a lot, was even with Aaron Rodgers, we looked at this gauntlet that the Jets had to go through uh, to kick off off the season, and we said if they went three and three, uh, then you'd be happy with that going into the bye. The bye comes at a perfect time to uh, to really hit the ground running. I think there were a lot of things the Jets have to clean up moving forward uh, on the offensive side of the ball. But like you said to me yesterday, we kind of we went into this game the other day and we we broke it down. And you said that our analysis was was uh, really on point. And, you know, we said the Jets defense keeps them in every single game, regardless of opponent outside of one game this season. And they did exactly that again. Yeah, they gave they gave them ample opportunity to. Uh, I want to say the Eagles to come back, but I feel like the the defense constantly set the offense up in positive scenarios. And, you know, we we spoke a little bit pre-show about Salah's comments about how he said that they've embarrassed quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts, you know, for whatever reason, whatever scheme that was was being run uh, yesterday with the Jets, he was he looked very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you had a problem with those comments. I don't just because, I mean, you're, you're coming out of a pretty emotional victory. Um, you know, I'm not sure the Jets embarrassed all three of those quarterbacks, but you had a chance to beat Mahomes and you've already beaten Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. I mean, that's really a, a, a true testament to the defense. Yeah. And, and what did we say, you know, going back to kind of our analysis, we said that just get the have the ball in your hands or the chance to win the game. And that's exactly what they did. And I thought that, you know, if you want to look at, I guess we can get some of the negative, any negative thoughts we have about the game uh, out now before we start getting to more positives. But, you know, I'll always say, yeah, obviously this defense is going to quote unquote keep you in games. But if for, for a team that is turning over, uh, getting so many turnovers, I mean, Jalen Hurts had three interceptions yesterday, you know, to only score 20 points, look, a, a win is a win. I couldn't be more elated, but I think it's, you know, I don't want to get too high in this offense. Obviously, the offense is not the the cornerstone of this team right now, but they did all they could. All, they did everything they needed to do to win. 
But I still think it's a little bit concerning that, you know, even looking at the the Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs game where he had, what, did he have three or two interceptions? And they still, like, were barely scratching the, sur- the surface of scoring. I think this red zone offense is getting um, something that will definitely grow in the coming weeks. Maybe, you know, in the bye week, they'll definitely address address that before heading to uh, or playing the Giants. But um, I, I'd say, you know, just again, getting the negatives out of the way, I think that red zone offense for sure. And then I, I don't know if you felt the same way, but I thought down the stretch, they just abandoned the run sometimes. Uh, yeah, they did. I mean, I think Brees, Call- Brees Hall was only on the ground, I think, six times. Um, I-, I mean, listen, you're right. The-, the red zone and on third down, you don't really expect anything in the offense. I mean, you could look at this game and say the Jets didn't really score a true touchdown. You know, they had the four field goals uh, to keep this game 14 to 12 for what felt like an eternity. Uh, and then at the end of the game, we'll get into that Brees Hall touchdown where he kind of scampers in. The Eagles let him in. So the Jets really weren't able to sniff out the end zone on their own. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, red zone and just trying to have something to draw up on third down to where, I mean, you can at least keep the defense on their toes. No one expects anything of this offense on a third and eight ever. Uh, no one expects the offense to score when they're inside the 20. It, it's just, I, I don't know. So I think that's going to be an issue. I, I think if I ask you, you know, how do you feel about the Jets scoring 20 points in this game? Do you think that'll be enough with this defense? I think with Philadelphia, you probably would have said no. Uh, but the defense just yeah. used to surprise. So uh, there, there's, I would even maybe venture to say, you you could probably argue there's more negatives than positives here. But as for today on, on a victory Monday, uh, at, at least emotionally, I'm not going to let those things get to me now going into a bye. Yeah, and, and then one one last, I guess, negative I'll say is, and we, we kind of, we brought it up. We brought it up in our group chats. We brought it up like live as it was happening. But I think I'm over the, you know, as long as Zach Wilson is here, I don't need to see Randall Cobb on the field every snap. I don't need to see Alan Lazard. Lazard not so much, but more so the Cobb thing kind of bugs me because you, know, you got these, even if you throw a gadget guy in like like a Gibson or a Mikal Hardman or, you know, someone, but to me, just like, you know, Randall Cobb, just he might a different story with Rodgers. I get it. But like, it just he's just not doing it for me. Yeah, I said yesterday that and maybe this was out of rage because this was more about the Alan Lazard play. I don't know if you remember the Alan Lazard block that wound up being a pretty big penalty for the Jets. Mm-hmm. Uh, after I kind of calmed down about that play and I watch it back to me, that just looked like a nice, solid block. Um, I don't I don't think there was really. I, I, there certainly wasn't a dirty aspect to the play. I get it. Sometimes you're going to blindside people, whatever. But I, I said yesterday that Rogers guys are just kind of useless here without Aaron Rodgers, And that that's kind of been the way it's felt. Randall Cobb is on the field for about 70% of the snaps. Um, and for some reason he gets a few targets and I don't know. He, he's not that guy. He's not making a difference for you. Uh, we talked about McCall Hardman. Why can't he see the field, even though punt returns are taken away from him? We got to see a little bit of him yesterday with um, with all the injuries for the Jets. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I agree with you. I, I don't know that they have a, a spot on this roster. I mean, is the plan that when Rodgers returns next year, you're going to keep Randall Cobb another season? I don't know. Yeah, that I, I, that's something I've thought about, too, especially when we were, we were talking about it, you know, in our in our group chat. But, yeah, like, let, let me ask you this. I'll put it this way. Uh, Randall Cobb, right, if you took his targets yesterday – Randall Cobb had three targets, right? 
would you rather have given three targets to, you know, let's say Michael Carter out of the backfield? Yeah, I think so. Would you rather have given three targets to Miko Hardman on like a wide receiver screen? Yeah, I think so. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's just like other in the, in the, the hierarchy of, I guess, target share in, in on the jets. I don't, I think the, the even three targets is too much for Randall Cobb, you know? And, and just like you said, what, 70 plus percent of the snap count, it just doesn't do it. Right. The, re- the reason I have an issue with Cobb and not really Lazard here is because all you hear about Lazard is, well, he does all the dirty work. You know, he's kind of, he'll go in there, he'll make big blocks. Even if he doesn't catch a pass for a drive or two, you'll still feel an impact from Alan Lazard. I get that Randall Cobb provides this sort of veteran leadership, and it's a guy who's been in the Rodgers offense for years and years. I'm not sure that on the field he provides anything. Yeah, and he he might. Well, here's the okay, thing. Bro, though, I like, have no problem with him being on the roster. I like him being here. I think you know we saw some some times in Hard Knocks where he sort of presented his value a little bit, but on the field, getting three to five targets a game, I, I just I don't know that that that's it. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see. The, you know, maybe the Jets will will back it up and say something like, "Oh, well, he he's just like a, a veteran blanket for for Zach Wilson to look at." You know, I think that's how they might sell it. But, you know, I think that we're kind of past that, you know, and I guess this is where we'll start talking about Zach Wilson. But I think just from I don't look at any numbers uh, and I'm not looking at any statistics right now, but just the strict eye test. He just looks way more comfortable. I thought there was, you know, three or four times just off the top of my head where, you know, maybe a year or two ago, Zach Wilson would have just broken the pocket and he would have done outside. So, like. A lot of times young quarterbacks, what they'll try and do is instead of stepping up in the pocket and then moving side to side to try and make a play, they'll back up and then almost like set themselves up for failure because they're just going to naturally be on their back foot. And I thought there were a couple times yesterday where Zach was really aggressive in stepping up in the pocket. You know, the offensive line, great defense, obviously. Uh, I thought they played like, you know, a decent game for Zach. Uh, Definitely got hit. What was it? four times he got sacked or something like that. Um, but I thought that Zach, I, I was impressed with his footwork and not for nothing. Zach's not the biggest guy in stature, but he took a couple hits yesterday and just popped right back up. He, he's like, he's like a turning into a man in front of our eyes. <laughs> yeah. Where I am with Zach these last three weeks, starting with the Kansas city game into Denver and then uh, into this game with the Eagles, uh, where I am is I'm just, I'm good with it. This is all we ever asked of him. Uh, he's never going to do anything special, and I'm not sure he's ever going to win you a game, be the player of the game, anything like that. But I, I think he's done exactly what you asked him to. He hasn't had a turnover in a while, at least a bad one. Because, um, you know, we both said that that interception in Denver was just – I mean, that was just a great play. I, I just – I don't know. I i feel like where I am with him is just if you can control the game defensively like they did with the Eagles. I mean, you hold the Eagles to 14 points. That's pretty incredible. With a guy like Zach Wilson and with the way the offense is running, every game kind of has to go like that. You can't fall behind. You can't afford to uh, because he's not going to throw you back into a game. But all that said, I'm not really asking for anything more of him. This is going on over a year now. This is all we ever asked of him, what he's provided the last three weeks. And I think the Jets can, can win football games that way. They can potentially make the playoffs that way. And if he could just keep that up, I'm okay with it. And any any improvement or any sort of any time I look at him and I go, he looks a little more comfortable this week than last week. That's a plus. 
Yeah, and, and I think, you know, again, getting back to the, you know, just the whole red zone struggles of it all. You know, Zach finishes the game 19 of 33. But in the red zone, I'd venture to even say that, you know, a lot of those incompletions were just in the red zone. And that, you know, we know that that's an issue. So, you know, you, you think of like, you know, you want to split the split the field, you know, with the red zone. And then I guess like the middle neutral part of the field. I'd, I'd even say that his passing numbers in the not anything but the red zone are a lot better and actually look, you know, really like he I thought they put together some really good drives. He threw yes. a lot of, you know, very simple routes yesterday. I think that, I th- you know, just looking at him from an X's and O's standpoint, I think what the Jets did and have been, you know, doing for him um, in a side. But did you see the report about Bryce Young and how they said that the, they're going to simplify the offense for him? Well, yes, but that's kind of what I wanted to say about Zach Wilson here is because yesterday for a large portion of the game, he kind of reverts to this only focusing on one side of the field and things like that. He's still really not capable of going through progressions and things like that. So yeah, you know, when you say outside of the red zone, his passing numbers look pretty good. Yeah. I mean, he's capable of running a, you know, a two minute offense. We've seen it a few times now. And when there's really only one option, when there's one guy to go to, or when he doesn't have to go to a second read, a third read, there's nothing that he can't do. Cause he has all the arm talent. He has all the athletic ability that these are kind of, things that we all know. But yeah, I mean, I, I would say that that's why that, you know, that's why the red zone is tough when there's so much press coverage and, and guys aren't open immediately. That's kind of where he struggles. And to, to be zoning on one side of the field, uh, that's pretty tough. I don't really know how much more simple you can make it. You're you going to run offense to just that side. I have no idea. Yeah. And even like, you know, you're right. You're with, as far as, you know, uh, you know, thinking about cutting the field in half for, for a young and up and coming quarterback, I'd say, it's, you know, it's a smart play and it's, it's interesting to see that, you know, it, it's not something, I guess it's something the defense can catch on to, but I think that. Well, when, they did, when, they started to shade over that way. Yeah. But I think, you know, when you're Zach, like you can, it, you don't really, if it's, if it's not like killing you, like if they're not, if you're not looking up at that one side and seeing nothing there, like I thought all day yesterday, it was, you know, he, he was, I wouldn't say going through a full progression. You're right. But I think that they, the jets and I think wisely, maybe this is Nathaniel Hackett, you know, whoever wants to get the credit for this, but, or maybe it's, you know, maybe Rogers, but they were almost just dumbing the game down for him enough that they, they told him, you know, like you're going to have your reads, you know, opposed to a, a regular quarterback having five to, you know, maybe even six reads on a play They're you know, they're getting three or four, you know, two, three or four because they're cutting the field in half. And I think that, you know, sometimes when you do that, it, it also opens up some of the bootleg games. And I know that there was a couple uh, unsuccessful ones yesterday, but I think, and I'll still say this, I think that's, that's where Zach really can shine is when he gets out in these naked bootlegs, sells the play action well, and then is able to operate on that half of the field, right? Because when you run a bootleg, yeah. a lot of the times you're not throwing back to the other side of the field where, it's just naturally, even for the best quarterbacks, a naked bootleg a lot of times cuts off half the field. So I like that they incorporate that as well. I'd like to see them incorporate more play action in the red zone. Um, I think my, you know, my theory in, on offense and just in, in red zone offense specifically, especially when you have a guy like Brees Hall, is you know run the ball till you can't anymore, right? It's 
first, I think first down and goal, no matter where you are, no matter what the scenario, uh, no matter what the scenario, we saw that with the Giants yesterday. <laughs> Never mind. But um, you can't run the ball always. But if if time warrants, run the ball until you don't have to. First and goal should always be a run, in my opinion, especially with Zach Wilson as your quarterback. Yeah, I, I I also big fan of Zach Wilson off uh, off bootleg. Uh, I love him off play action. Uh, I do want to point out there was one play this was in the red zone yesterday where I hated this play call from Nathaniel Hackett, and this was a naked bootleg uh, where Zach Wilson rolls out to the right. Uh, the read guy doesn't bite, and they take a, a just a dreadful sack. So I hated that play call. Love the play action. Love the bootleg. Let's just maybe get some protection. My last critique of Sag Wilson, I don't want to kill the kid. This is a team that just beat Philadelphia. I think dating back to last year, he's had a big issue with, you know, short to intermediate throws, uh, just accurate accuracy-wise. And I think that still existed in this game. I mean, there's one slant to Garrett Wilson that, you know, if he catches that in stride, this could be a 25, 30-yard pass play. But Zach Wilson kind of sells it over his head. Garrett Wilson has to get up there, go get it, takes a tackle immediately. So I think he still sort of has some happy feet, looking a little bit more comfortable, but he hasn't cost the Jets a game in three weeks, and I think that's probably the longest he's gone without doing so. So uh, all happy thoughts here. Any other positives that we missed? Because I I feel like we're leaving this segment with wallowing, and I'd rather leave with a, a better taste in my mouth. Yeah, well, I definitely wanted to get to the defense because no Sauce Gardner, which, you know, yeah, I'll be honest, as soon as, as soon as I saw that, I I was like, oh, this isn't good. Like, you know, I'm looking at guys like, you know, the some of the threats on the Eagles, the A.J. Browns. And, you know, A.J. Brown obviously had, had a good game, 131 yards. But, you know, they I feel like they there was there was just that one really long A.J. Brown play where he got hawked. And then outside of that, they kind of kept him at, you know, throttled him down a little bit, I'll say. You know, it wasn't – I didn't feel like he was – wide open every play I didn't feel like they were you know specifically attacking any of the corners and I thought the Jets defense obviously played unbelievably yesterday Quincy Williams uh how about that interception to Quinn and Williams the, the Williams brothers are both just unbelievable they've been they've been trying to they're trying to be the first brother pair to both have an interception in a game and they they came pretty damn close yesterday yeah and, and there I mean there's just so many guys on this defense that I thought uh, just just played their asses off yesterday. Honestly, they they it just looked like it looked like they you know again with Sauce Gardner out, uh, Craig James, uh, rookie from Illinois, steps in, and I thought you know he only had one tackle on the on the play on the on the game, one pass deflection, but he's just one of those guys that like every time I looked at the ball, he was there, and I thought that there's a lot of guys in the Jets that are just like. You know, they're they're roamers. They're just all around the field. You, the C.J. Mosley's of the world, uh, Quincy Williams, uh, Bryce Hall. I mean, they're just guys that are just flying around the field. And it's like every play, it's I feel like I'm seeing the same guys over and over again. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Craig James and Bryce Hall were your starting cornerbacks yesterday. Yeah. And Craig, I believe I'll, D.J. Reed had to play some cornerback as well. Yeah. And, and look, I'll give we we always rip you know, head coaches for this rip head coach for that. The jets had the jets coaching staff as a whole yesterday. Uh, I'll even put more of the, the flowers to solid, but I thought the game plan was great. It was great. It, it, uh, especially on defense, but um, you know, on offense, obviously we just kind of, you know, 
picked our little what we had wrong with the offense. I, I thought they should have ran the ball more, but you know I always think that. So I, I'm I'm happy. This was unbelievable win. First time they beat them in franchise history. Um, and, and you know I wasn't there unfortunately, but I can only imagine what that place was like with the the rowdy Eagles fans coming in on their high horse as an undefeated team and leaving losers. Yeah, I want to I wanna get into the Giants game because that was another riveting game um, and obviously go around the league a little bit, hang on the rim about some more picks, just which is kind of just a scheduled uh, segment at this point. Would you fancy going into the bye week, if I organize this real quick, knowing what we know now about the New York Jets at 500, we play one more edition of win-loss, win-loss, and we see where we have them going. Sure. Although I just want to bring up one last thing. The, the, at the end of the game yesterday, when they, the Eagles let them score. Can we talk about that first? Yeah. Let's do you want to give your side of that first? Yeah. So, so I'll paint the scenario for you. The jets were down uh, 14 to 12 at this point. And uh, was it 14 to 12? They, yeah. Cause they scored eight for the two point yes. conversion. Yeah. Down 14 to 12 minute 46 left. Um, inside the uh it was i think it was like the eight yard line and um the eagles the jets run a running play and the eagles let them score which is you know you would think which is what you want to do but um i think that was a blunder of all blunders and whether you want to put that on Brees hall by the jets yeah 100 percent you disagree well here's my thing i think when it first happened I was sort of like, well, why wouldn't – the Eagles have two timeouts at this point. Why don't you take a couple knees, you go up by one, you kick the field goal, and then maybe the Eagles have 20 seconds or whatever it would have been. Maybe maybe the Jets could have put the game on ice. I don't know. No, that's – I'm going to stop you there. The math – the math – maths to – The game would have been over. Yes. So to give them any chance is a super blunder. I guess maybe I think that what the Jets were doing was it was a soft run – and then when no one was tackling him, they just went in. I think what I'll say about it, and the reason I don't have a huge problem with it, or the reason I won't call it a gigantic blunder, is just, I mean, your defense is playing at such an elite level. I get it. Why would you give the Eagles the ball back? I totally get it. But I guess when when Brees Hall grabs the ball and he goes, no one's tackling me, and I trust our guys to stop them again, and which is exactly what they did. The Eagles didn't even get close. Um for it to work out the way it did, I I feel like I, I don't know. I don't have a huge problem being like, yes, I just knew they were going to stop them again. I I couldn't disagree anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just think that the, you know, we, we saw Patrick Mahomes do it um, against the Jets where he was a free runner and just went down inside the one. And I, I'm a big believer of, you know, end the game with the ball in your hands if you can. Yeah, but is there and, anything to like – Maybe at the time the Jets felt like instead of trying to kick a ball into the air and hope that nothing funny happens, let's go up by six, pin them at their own 25, and then let's make them drive 75 yards to beat us with a minute and whatever it was left on the clock. Well, yeah. Maybe they weighed their options and said, you know, I I don't want to play the field goal game. Let's punch it into the end zone where nothing funny is going to happen, and let's just make one more stop. All right, let me let me rephrase. Maybe you'll maybe you'll 
I guess, get on the same wavelength as me. The thing is, I sort of agree with you, and at the time, I totally did. But I, I don't know. I just feel like they were playing so great. You, I'll put it this way. You can't score on the first play there. Whether whether if Reese Hall has that ball running in untouched and he goes down at the one, and then you they they are forced to use a timeout, one timeout. Next, then you're second and goal at the one, and then you can knee it, second and goal at the three, use another timeout, or then be third and goal. Then you run your play. Let them use their timeouts first. Like, like the Jets at the least, at the least yesterday could have forced them to use all of their timeouts while they were on defense at the least. That's fair. I, I don't know that the Jets thought the Eagles were going to let them stroll in. I don't I, know why I, they but wouldn't. That's bad. I don't know why they wouldn't, but I feel like, you know, Brees Hall just grabs the ball on a soft carry. And I feel like maybe he's willing to go down if anyone makes an effort, but no one does. And he just punches it in. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm very happy that it didn't, it didn't, uh, it didn't affect the outcome. I guess if it so, did, like if it did, if Jalen Hurts drove the field, I, I, I'll be honest, I'd be here killing it. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, so, so in my mind, it was like, you know, and as I, I'm gonna assume in many Jet fans' minds, that you know, that was the immediate thought that came into your mind. It's like, oh, here we go. We we just found the way to lose this game, and you know, yeah, I, think I guess. That, but let's say that you're a reporter and the game just ended. You have Salah right there on the podium, and you ask him about it. And his response to you is, no, they scored 14 points all day. We just had to stop them again. We knew we were going to. If he says that to you, do, you, do you really, like, is there anything to fight back with? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's the fact that how about this this team across from you has arguably the MVP as their quarterback. Yeah, That's but he what did I look like with. the MVP. He definitely did, and, and like, I, I get it. Like, I understand that, you know, you you have such trust in your defense that that you're uh that you're okay with them being on the field and okay with them you know not getting getting the offense on the field in a in a under two minute drill where they need a touchdown uh I don't know I just I think- feel like they don't want their offense to dictate any sort of game like I almost feel like the Jets feel more comfortable just being like, let's let our defense win the game for us. Like, I don't even know that they trust that they won't just have an aborted snap on offense. It's happened true, before. True. It's happened recently. But I mean, it, you, you're mean tell me they couldn't they couldn't have need the ball. Like, you're you're. I get it if you, if we were like looking for a first down. I know, I but I'm not sure if, you start knee. I, I think you just kind of run and go down. No, no, no. What I'm proposing is. What the, I think if you if you can go back and replay, like let's say you're playing Madden, right? If I was playing Madden and I was controlling that scenario, Brees Hall goes down at the one. Yeah, I take I take a knee. They call a timeout. I take a knee. They call another timeout. It's now third and goal at the two. Right. Then you then, run the ball. If they stop you, they use another timeout. You kick the field goal. Yeah, I guess you're right. But here's but here's the thing: the even in that scenario, you they would have let you score on third down. And, like you did them a favor by, by not letting them use their timeouts. Yeah. Because even if you get to that scenario that I painted out where they use their timeouts, when it's third and goal at the two, they're still going to let you score. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason that's such a hot topic, obviously this, uh, the Jets touchdown plus conversion, put them up six. So if the Eagles were able to drive the field, Punch one in, kick a measly extra point. The Jets could have lost this game. Yes, yeah. which, 
Yeah. And it was obviously a very debatable thing. I was watching with, um, it was uh, Ariana's birthday. So we were, we were at her, their place watching the game with a bunch of people. Happy and birthday to friend of the podcast, Ariana Casella. Friend of the podcast. Um, and the, uh, a new Jet fan via Hard Knocks, which is very awesome because it's That's like, big. yeah, she's locked in. It's, it's fun. And uh, uh, so we were watching yesterday and I was like trying to explain that scenario. And like, like I'm over here freaking out. Like, why did they just do that? That was so stupid, blah, blah. And she's like, what do you mean? Like, that, that was like, you know, they just scored. They took the lead. What, what do you mean? That was bad. And then I was explaining, you know, how time works, essentially. But uh, it, it, was, oh, it was funny. Okay, we, the man on the podcast was explaining to a woman how time works. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> You're welcome, he said. <laughs> to all of you. Um, all right, let's let's get to uh, <laughs> let's get to a uh, win loss win loss win. Um, let's do it. I think I'm going to come out and say that I think there might be a lot more wins than losses on my board. How about you? All right, let's do it. Let, let we have the bye week here. In two weeks, on Sunday, October the 29th, we get the MetLife Bowl. The I think it was formerly known as the Snoopy Bowl. Jets versus Giants. Giants technically the home team. I think the Jets win that game. I would agree with you. Game two, a team that's in action tonight. We'll kind of get to this game a little bit because I do have a pick riding on it. Chargers come to MetLife the week after. Uh, see, tough because I want to. I really think it's a big game for the Chargers tonight in terms of like the rest of their season. Um, but at home, already the Chargers are two and two. I'm gonna let's just say they lose tonight. I I think they win though. I you know, tough one. Monday night football. I'll I'll give it to the Jets. Jets have Jets have gotten up at home. All right, I'm gonna give them a loss just because I'm looking ahead. I feel like I'm giving them a good amount of wins. I want to try to be a little fair here. You're going to win some games you don't expect to. You're going to lose some games you don't expect to. I've been one of one. You're in two, two and oh. Jets yes. going to Vegas, the Raiders. This is another primetime matchup. I, I, you know, Jimmy G gets hurt yesterday. Don't know the status of him. Uh, he was like in a hospital yesterday for some, they were looking out for some like, internal organ damage. Uh, right now, I'd say they win because I just don't think the Raiders are that good. That's fair. That's going to be a Sunday night vehicle. The Jets all over primetime. And then the Bills again. Jets going to Buffalo. By the way, I have the Jets beating the Raiders. Uh, I think they lose to Buffalo. I agree. I think think they lose like handily to Buffalo because Buffalo is going to try and take it out on them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Buffalo didn't look great yesterday, but um, I I would agree with you. I have the Jets at two and two. Then Dolphins coming to Jets. This is the Black Friday game. First ever. Three o'clock p.m. Weird one. You know, I think I'll say this. This is the part of the season where I get a little suspicious of these warm weather teams. Uh, you know, end of end of November in in uh, New Jersey look, might be a little cold opposed to what weather might be like in Miami. I don't want I'm going to give the Dolphins a win. But, you know, if it's a snowy day and it's it's 20 degrees outside. I think the edge might be on the jets there. So, but on paper, I'll give them a, I'll give them a loss. Yeah. I'm going to do the same thing. I feel like the, the weather, all those sorts of things, that's kind of something that I will take into consideration leading up to the game. Isn't it like a, I don't know. You might not know the answer to this, but I feel like it's a thing for Tua as I, I feel like I remember seeing like some sort of, even like dating back to college, 
that like when it gets like below a certain temperature, he's like not that good or his numbers go like way down. Is it, it well, might be someone else. I thought it was Don't Tua. disrespect my ball knowledge because I know all. Okay. And, uh, how to affairs in cold weather. I do not know, but I will give the Jets <laughs> a loss there. Nice. After that. So that would have me with the Jets here at three, five at two and three Falcons coming to the Jets for some one o'clock Sunday action, December 3rd. Uh, they Desmond Ritter is an unserious quarterback, and I realized it this weekend. And he will not win on the road against the Jets. That's a I win would agree with Jets. you. That's going to be another win. Let's get me to ten and three. I think you're at four and two. Yep. Did I say ten and three? I meant three and three. Yeah. Yeah. Like I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Texans coming to the Jets. Another one o'clock. Kind of similar to the game before, and I'm going to have the Jets at four and three. They're just a better team. Yeah, I think that I think they should win that game as well. Although. This I'm a big believer in CJ Stroud in that offense. I think that could be a sneaky if there's like a sneaky spot for like a really bad loss, that could be it. I would agree with you, but that's let's hope that's not the one. Then here's your other game with Miami. Do you do you fancy a split with Miami? This is the Jets headed to Miami, another one o'clock Sunday game. Nah, I didn't lose that one. Miami's too good, I think. Yeah, I think so too, which is kind of upsetting because now we're saying they're probably the third best team in their division. Um Commanders to the Jets. To say win fourth, this is Christmas Eve at one o'clock. They they win that. The Commanders are uh, are are not that good. I you know, I think you. I think the first two weeks they're they're one and three in the last four weeks. They were started started off two and zero. Oh. I don't know. They they seem like a sinking ship to me. Yep, week sixteen or maybe week seventeen. This is the second to last game of the schedule. This is the last primetime game for the Jets. They head into Cleveland. Just so four I, days after, by the way. So this is a Thursday night game, short week, uh, Thursday night in Cleveland. So I, I think that that Cleveland defense is no joke, and I think they're not they're not getting worse. I'll say, um, the health of Deshaun Watson obviously I think is a is a factor, but you know they're very Jets like themselves, and their defense is just going to keep them in every game. You know that game might be a a fourteen seven final. But I think I think with the Jets on the road, I I think they might lose that game. I think that's a, that's just a tough matchup for them. That's fair. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just take them winning that game. Um, and your last game, I couldn't tell you the time because it is to be determined. This is a week after the New Year, January seventh. The Jets go to Foxborough, uh, looking to avenge what so far is the worst loss on their schedule. They. They can beat the Eagles after, you know, was it how many years they haven't beaten them and first time in franchise history. Let's yep. let's get a win in Foxborough to end the season. And, and you know, even if, I'll, you know, I'll say this, even if at that point the Jets are on the outside looking in or, you know, the or even if they need the game, I think they'd be I think there's there's whether the season's over. It, it all relies on that game or they're just, you know, there to play a, a random game that means nothing. I, I'll take the Jets to win that game. And I agree with you. So I think that has us both at the at seven and four finishing the season Correct. would have us at 10 and seven, uh, which you would hope would be good enough for a playoff spot. So you would, you would hope win loss, win loss. You'd really hope, but looking, looking around the league now, you know, at the, at the AFC standings, I mean, you're looking at Miami and Buffalo above above you, obviously. And then, you know, that not for nothing, but that Cleveland game at the end of the year, depending on how that division shakes out, that might be a pseudo playoff game. 
Yeah, I mean, well, listen, we both just had them getting swept by Miami and losing to Buffalo. So, I mean, it's going to be tough to get in. But I, get in or not, I, I do kind of feel like 10-7 and seven, I, I'm not going to be upset about. I mean, and I don't think we were overly generous to the Jets there either. No, I don't not, – not at all. They just have a very, very weak schedule. Um, but where I think the Jets are – they're always – again, this might be the year that breaks it. They just broke a streak of their, their ego streak. But uh, I think there's always – the Jets are always good for a game that is like, how the heck did you lose that? And maybe that's just the Patriots game this year. Maybe that's the second Patriot game this year too. But, uh, you know, I, I think that – you're right. We were very fair, I feel like, but – I you know nine and eight might be more realistic. Yeah. Right. Eight and nine. Yeah. I even think I eight so. and nine would be bad. But looking at it I mean, now, we'll see. We have a Hall of Fame quarterback who thinks he's going to play this year, so we'll yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah, out there throwing with no crutches. That was impressive. Yeah, that that was a little nerve wracking too. Um, yeah. so we spent a lot of time on the Jets. I don't have any qualms with it. They just knocked off maybe the best team in the NFL. Um. Both undefeated teams suffered a loss yesterday in the 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock slate, so there's none left. There was a primetime game last night that we went in We went in with a spread of, what, 14 and a half? In and I took it like a sucker. And it turned out being a great game. An unbelievable game. Uh, I mean, I, I'm even on here quoted in saying I couldn't see a way that the uh, the Giants could hang in that game. Boy, was I wrong. They they hung and and it all came down to a final play, which was a absolutely miserable play call. I think, you know, that let me let me put it this way. And I don't I don't mean to, to fast forward to the very end of the game, but I think that that last play is obviously the talking point here, uh, the biggest talking point. That is a front office pride play call. Agree or disagree? Well, you said you liked it. The play call at the end of the game. Yes, I. If I said I like that, I, maybe I was speaking about something else. I did not the the throw to Waller. Yeah, I said that was an embarrassing play call, and you said, "Well, maybe you didn't say you liked it." You said, "I don't hate it." Thinking think of it back, and in preparation of this podcast, I hate it, and I and I, I think that I think that I maybe maybe X's and O's. I don't hate it, but just thinking about. The 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 Giants this year and thinking about, you know, what they sold. I don't want to say sold the fans on, but the the idea that Darren Waller would reshape this offense. You just having Saquon Barkley in the backfield there. And I know you, you're not supposed to run the ball. And, you know, but the how can you you could have ran the ball. I would have been happier with running the ball. I'll say it. Run, I agree because I been you, okay. essentially you, you took a play action which a lot of people knew was coming. And then you had one guy to throw it to. And if he didn't come down with it, he didn't come down with it. He was getting mugged at the time. Uh, And obviously the rush comes in because you didn't run the ball. So you have one guy to throw it to. It's just kind of throw it up to Waller or we lose. And this isn't Darren Waller of the past. So yeah, you're right. That's, that's a front office play call. And I didn't like it. And when he threw the ball up, you saw him getting mugged. I mean, your only hope was, are they going to throw a flag here? I, I really like, it wasn't the most catchable pass ever uh, in a do or die spot. I'd like to see a better play call there just with other options around the field. Like get me Saquon in the end zone or something. Yeah. And it, I, in my opinion, if you're going to throw that ball, you got it. It's got to be spread out in the shotgun, especially with a guy like Tyrod Taylor. Yes. It's, like you can't, 
I, I think I think faking a run up the middle there on a stacked front at the one yard line for the game is like the most predictable like play action of all time. Right. If you're gonna like, do that, at least let me see some bootleg action and get me get me Saquon, get me Waller, get these guys running a route combination to my left or to my right instead yeah. of just let me throw it up and put the game on the line here. I just didn't like it. Yeah, I so like I the the, the play, maybe maybe I should have rephrased last night when I said. I like the play design, like the way that, you know, Waller almost like deked, like it was just like a straight run play. And then he kind of like, it was interesting. He, Waller, like they, they did the, the play action and then Waller's kind of like standing there. And I think what the, the, they tell him is, you know, let the safety creep up to a point where he's even with you so that as soon as he's even with you, the ball's in the air. And then you're just, once he's even with you going forward and you're going the other way, you can beat him. But uh, again, it's such a, you know, for Tyrod Taylor to to come out of nowhere and make that play in a perfect throw. And again, they sell the Giants sold this offense and this idea that Darren Waller was going to change and revamp this offense hasn't happened yet. And maybe that was, you know, that's one of those things where if Waller does catch that, if they do convert there, then maybe that's that's the they're going to point the front office would point to and say, well, that's that's why we brought this guy in. But. Unfortunately, it is a, it was a big whiff. Um, it, it ended up being a a play that you know I said this about the Jets, but if the Giants could have signed up for the ball in their hands with one play to win the game last night, they sign up. I think everyone in the roster signs up for that. So um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't te- like technically a bad play call. If you do that on second down in the third quarter, I don't mind it. But do or die, why would you limit yourself? Yeah, and especially again, it's it's one thing to do that with, with you know Daniel Jones. It's one thing to do that with you know your starting quarterback or a good quarterback per se. Uh, not I'm not saying Tyra Taylor is not good because I actually was kind of impressed by Tyra Taylor last night. Um, but there's one huge Tyrod Taylor blunder we should talk we should talk about though. Yeah, well let let well let's let's get back to the top right. We already we fast forwarded to the end here. Yeah, um, so so coming into this game, one of the things I said was the Bills offensively, they're prone to laying an egg sometimes. And that was really going to be the only avenue for the Giants to win this game. And like we just said, the Giants did have a chance to win this game. Is this like because we talk about the Giants defense? They've been Swiss cheese. They have not been good. They've been one of the worst in the NFL. Is this more of, of a Giants performance thing, or is this just Buffalo kind of having one of those weeks? I think. I mean, I don't want to say it's like Buffalo having one of those weeks because I feel like Buffalo, like the way they play the game is just they're Sometimes it's just going to be inevitable that this happens. Like, I don't think I think maybe maybe the answer is yes. And maybe it was just one of those Buffalo weeks. But, you know, they they actually Buffalo actually did run the ball a lot yesterday. They had two guys in double digit carries in uh, Latavius Murray blast from the past and uh, and James Cook. So they ran the ball well. You know, my problem with Buffalo is like they they almost play in a, a sort of game that's like very like frantic. And I think that like, you know, for for a team that has such talent and I love Josh Allen, I think he's unbelievable that that uh that touchdown throw that he's or was it a touchdown throw or that throw he squeezed between two defenders? I think it was his second touchdown uh, where he scrambles yeah. and then throws in this crazy back shoulder window that. I didn't, you know, I thought it was on the TV. It looked like it was just batted down. I don't know how he snuck it through there, but, you know, I think Buffalo, they, 
it's it's weird. I can't really put my finger on it, but like something's something's not right with them. I think they're very dependent on you know just you know if digs if digs can get open every play, which obviously he's one of the elite receivers in the league. That's how ideally they want to run their offense. They want they want digs to touch the ball more than their running backs, and they want the ball in like digs hands more than even Josh Allen. And I think that you know kind of relating the two games, I watched the Eagles. And I'm seeing, especially in the third and fourth quarter, when they need yards and they need to start marching, it's it's Jalen Hurts up the middle. It's Jalen Hurts to the right. Jalen Hurts rolling out. I think Buffalo, they got to, like, I think Josh Allen could do that better than Jalen Hurts. So, I, you know, if I'm a Buffalo fan, I'd like to see more quarterback design runs. Get get Josh Allen going downhill or get, move him out of the pocket, like we said with Zach Wilson. I didn't see, I thought it's a lot of just, like, gunslinging, a lot of like very, very like Phil Rivers like Chargers era football they play, where it's just like. Yeah, but I do think they used to they used to do that more. They used Bills. to run a lot of design quarterback draws, but like they, but it worked. Yeah, I I don't know why they went away from it. That that's all, that's the, my only point. Like I think that you know I'm happy they ran the ball yesterday, and look, they got a, a win is a win is a win. I'm a, a I always I say that I think on every podcast we have. But, I mean, when you're a team that, you know, a lot of people probably would say is probably the best team in the AFC, uh, you know, th- I think there's that's a game where if you're the Bills, you're you're obviously happy with the win. But the fashion that that happened and, and some of the, the, the things that kind of have haunted you in the past as as a Bills as a Bills fan kind of came to fruition. Josh Allen in his turnovers. Uh, I thought I thought the Giants defensive line was. They, the Bills ran the ball and they made it a point to run the ball, which I think does hold some value. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I pointed – I guess maybe the Bills just overlooked the Giants. Um, You know, to do that at home too, like if it was on the road, not getting up for it, you know, if it was like the Bills in London, uh, this is two weeks now that the Bills have looked like kind of, you know, eh, eh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think the, the biggest – note of this game is that this Giants defense pitched a shutout for three straight quarters and they still weren't able to win the game. But the blunder that I alluded to earlier that I wanted to speak about, and this this obviously weaves into Brian Dable, is at the end of the first half, I think the Giants have 14 seconds on the clock. They have a chance they're, they're inside the what, the 10? Um they have a chance to run another play, maybe two. They have no timeouts. And for whatever reason, Tyrod Taylor takes off, doesn't get out of bounds, and then they're unable to spike the ball to grab any points. They had a chance to, if they could kick a field goal there, go up 9 nothing at half, be up by, you know, make it a two-score game at the very least. Uh, unable to do that. And this is something we talked about in past weeks, and I don't know if you're going to agree with me here, but this is just my feeling on it now. I'm getting sick and tired of the old Brian Dable chew out my players on the sidelines um, I don't know. I feel like maybe he thinks it's going to get positive reviews or something. I'm kind of sick of seeing it. That happening on the field there, sure, it's on Tyrod Taylor. Fine. He's a veteran quarterback. He's been around a while. That can't happen. But on the other hand, you're the head coach. You're the guy that prevents a thing like that. You're the guy that says, listen, there's no run option on this play. This is either get rid of it or, or, or pass it. And that didn't happen. And they, against a, a team like Buffalo, when you shut them out for a half, you really can't afford to leave any points on the table. And, you know, we could pick on the backup quarterback all we want, but I think this is more of a Brian Dable issue. I'm just, 
I'm tired. It, it it was a Brian Dable error, and then I have to see Brian Dable chew out players on the sidelines and all that. You're one in five for a reason. You know, you're not coaching well. I know coach of the year, all this. I, I feel like that was a Brian Dable error, and I'm just kind of sick of seeing it. I, I think I couldn't agree. I couldn't disagree with you anymore, to be honest. I think, look, if you want to be the guy that, that you know, just says, I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a weak take, but to, to, if you want to just, it's not wrong. You're, I don't think you're wrong, right? But, you know, everything, I'm a big believer in, you know, at the end of the day, it's all going to fall on the head coach, sure. But in that scenario, I think that's a Tyrod Taylor thing. And you can say that, you know, maybe you should have told him on the sidelines, you know, there's no check here. But when, when Tyrod Taylor gets to the line of scrimmage there and sees the look that, you know, he's – you got to think, Tyrod Taylor has been a, been a backup for the entire season. He, obviously, he's has a lot, of, a lot of starting tenure in this league. But, you know, to, to vault him in, in a scenario like that where, you know, he's – all he's practices, if they say, all right, we're going to – we're going to – we have a play action or, or a quick pass called here. Um, if you don't, if the read's not there, just throw it away. We're going to kick a field goal, whatever the, the case may, may be in the, the play call or the huddle, whatever. But if you're Tyrod Taylor and all year you've been, all you've been practicing is, all right, if you see this coverage or this defensive line, this is the check. And he checks to the play. It gets, it gets stopped, you know, regardless of what, who or what you want to see perform on that play or not perform. I, I think it's something that like Dable almost said to himself, like, all right, I don't need to tell him that. Like, I don't need to tell Tyrod Taylor not to run the ball when we have no timeouts. But this is just like, me I'm, assuming that there's not a run option on this play. This could have been a play call. No, I'm just no assuming way. that no the way. Giants aren't no that way. dense. Did you uh, – did you – the – I think it was – it's a pass. So, I think in, in the NFL today, a lot of times, I'd say m- more often than not, when you call a pass play, there's a run check to it. And if you, if you see, a, like, a weak box – or you see like some sort of read that you don't like based on the routes and the coverage, you can check to a run. And whether that whether his read on that play might have been where the linebackers were standing, where the defensive tackle was standing, he got the read that he wanted or that was required to check to that run. But and I, I think Dable kind of just understood that like, all right, we're calling this play for a reason. There's no check here. And I feel like that – you can get mad at Dable for the miscommunication of that, if if that's what you believe. But I think that was in a scenario like that. I think the players has got to be smarter. Even like you know, even like a guy like you know, this might be a ridiculous thing to think, but like you can kind of fault the players more so for this too. Like, what would have been the sense of Saquon Barkley getting the ball and and realizing, oh shit, I can't run this ball. Just I'm just gonna throw it. Yeah. Well, like, how much of this is just because you've known Tyrod Taylor to be around the league for a while? Because I, I think if Zach Wilson gets hurt yesterday and you paint this same exact scenario with Tim Boyle, you know, and the Jets still have a chance to win the game, I think everyone comes down on Salah. Sure, but I think it's a little bit different because that Zach Wilson. Like, I think that's the factor that we're, we're kind of disagreeing on. Like, like for instance, I'm going to relate it to baseball a little bit. If If yesterday – uh, Justin Verlander is pitching against um, the Rangers and the scouting report is the, their game plan before the game is, you know, just understood as, you know, just don't, don't let Corey Seager hit a home run. Like don't throw Corey Seager any fastballs. Dusty Baker doesn't feel like he needs to tell Justin Verlander that like he should, he trusts Justin Verlander has done his homework and knows 
that, you know, we're just not going to throw fastballs to Corey Seager. And the first pitch he throws is a fastball to Corey Seager. Dusty Baker's going to be pretty pissed. Like, what the hell are you doing? I I think that's kind of what happened with the Giants yesterday where Dable just kind of took for granted that, that, you know, yeah, Tyrod's got it. I don't really need to tell blank veteran quarterback that he can't run the ball when we have no timeouts. You know, I think a lot of people in, sitting at home probably looked at that play and said, well, how the hell are you running the ball? And I think that you can look at Dayball and say that, you know, you can have an issue with him, you know, having that with his players on the sideline. I think it's a fair opinion. I, I kind of disagree. I think I like the, the way that or that that that's missing in football now, but total, totally different conversation. But I think, you know, in that scenario, I think it was warranted. And I think that I don't think it was Dayball saying like, oh, you know, realistically, do you think he went up to Tyrod Taylor and said, oh, that's got to get in the end zone? No, like that's the, the, the thing he was telling Tyrod Taylor is you can't run that ball there. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I think the I think the the argument is is a, it wasn't really more an argument more so than just like Dable, just a miscommunication between a backup quarterback and a still relatively young coach. Yeah, I guess that's my point, though. Let's not have miscommunications, especially when you know your backups in there. But I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, um, and, and look, to be honest, your your record is what your record is. So, or yeah. what is the Herm Edwards? You are what your record says you are, and yeah. maybe maybe that's just one of the Giants' many problems. But uh, let let's you want to get more a little bit more into the X's and O's of this game? Yeah, I guess so. Giants unable to find the end zone once again. Yeah, and they had they had ample opportunities too, and and like there was a couple Barkley runs that they got him by a shoelace. I think I think if anything, one one thing that I thought was definitely apparent is I thought Saquon Barkley, like kind of I'm sold on the idea that he is the you know he's the wheel that gets this whole thing going. Yes, like and I think it is so apparent, and it opens up so much and. For, for everyone that's going to say, like, oh, you know, Tyrod played played well enough to, you know, start again if Jones is in 100%, maybe. But I think, you know, if you can get if you can get Jones and Barkley in that backfield and, you know, not for nothing, we, we say Jones is who he is and whatnot. And obviously, I think at this stage in his career, he's probably more of a threat with his legs than Taylor is at this point. Um, I, you know, just the fact that he's he's probably a better player than Taylor, all things considered. You get him with Barkley in this backfield and get this offensive line a little bit more healthy. And, you know, not for nothing, you know, I the Giants team could be a thorn in the side at the least. Uh, I guess. I mean, do you, you sound like you're a little bit lesser on them. Yeah, well, just because I think their season's over and I've kind of been banging that drum for a couple weeks. But, yeah, thor- thorn in, in the side of, of some ball clubs, sure. Sure, why can't they be? Yeah, I, I mean, like, just I'm just thinking of them full health. Like, yes, yesterday they were a thorn in the side of the Bills for most of most of the game, for yeah. the entire game, actually. Yep. Um, and you know, let's if, if you wanted to look at the Bills, right? We could kind of talk about this in, in from a Jets perspective, or I guess a last night Giants perspective. If, if you're really looking at this team, they have one impressive win in my mind, and that's against the Dolphins at home. Everything else is. They lose to the Jets on the road opening night, which is obviously, you know, not what a lot of people would have presumed uh, once Rodgers goes down, I'll say. And then they they beat the Raiders. The Raiders stink. They beat the Commanders. The Commanders stink. The Jaguars beat them in London. You could say that's a little bit of a fluky game. 
And then they play the the Giants in a one possession game where they they were inches away from losing. Well, that's what I'm well, saying. The the Bills are just so strange that you know I'm not ready to call them the best team in the AFC, and I'm just not. I feel like I, I don't know. I, I almost feel like it, like the the reborn Cincinnati Bengals. I feel like I'm ready to to crown them ahead of Buffalo again. I still think the Chiefs do more to persevere when they have to. I don't know. The Bills are. They're just I don't know, and maybe they're just not complete. There, there's something about the the Bills where they have a lot of games like this. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think it's like they're they're weird though because like they can do that and they can hang in every game, but they can also blow the doors off teams like they did to the Dolphins. Like I think they can kind of have this like if if everything starts to click, they're they're the best. They're like I think easily the best team in the AFC, all things considered, if everything's clicking. Obviously, so, but why? Why easily? Well, because I think they just have they have the best combination of defense. They have a good running back in James Cook, a power running and a power arm quarterback in Josh Allen. I, I think a very. I know everyone says Diggs is amazing, but I I think he's very underrated. I would even go as far to say that if he's not like top three, or if he's not like, I, I'd say he's the top three receiver in the entire league. And I feel like a lot of people just put him in like a top ten even like a top five might even be selling it short. I really think he's unbelievable. Uh, and I think the, the combination that they have with, uh, you know, with Allen and, and Diggs is very, I get Devonte Adams, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. They just, I don't know. They don't, they don't scare me all that much. Like I, I think if you, if you were able to assume the health of Aaron Rodgers, I'm not sure the bills are head to toe a, a better team than the jets are even like, I, I don't know. They, they have yeah. too many weeks where they just don't impress. Yeah, I mean, you're you're not wrong. They they definitely are. I mean, I just kind of went through it. And they they have some la- very lackluster wins, um, or I guess very lackluster losses too. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's they're they're an interesting one. It's again a lot of football to be played still. So we'll we'll see how that shakes out. But I don't think it would stun anyone to see you know a, a Chiefs Bills or a Dolphins Bills AFC Championship. And it seems like you know. I guess you could throw the Bengals in there. You could throw the Ravens in there, I guess. But I don't know. This Bills team is sus. And I think if you're a Giant fan, you don't want moral victories. But that that was a moral victory last night. Yeah, I guess so. You know? I, I don't and think then, coming off of last year, I feel like just the, the phrase moral victory, if I'm a Giants fan, uh, I don't want to hear it. But uh, yeah, yeah hell one no. in five for your New York football Giants. So right, before, we're gonna get to around the league real quick. But did you see this uh, new Broncos report that came out right when we got into the air? I'm gonna read it verbatim if you have not. I haven't. Yeah, whatever you're thinking, it might be. It's not. It, it's probably gonna be your, the least expected thing you'll ever hear. But and I, and I quote: According to Pat McAfee, who works for ESPN with Rex Ryan, that there are rumors that Rex soon may take over the defensive coordinator role with the Denver Broncos. He interviewed for it. It's And he goes on to say, Pat says this is stuff he's hearing from around the league. Uh, Vance Joseph is currently Denver's defensive coordinator. The defense has been really awful all season. And coming off their best game, slowing down Patrick Mahomes and Chiefs to under 20 points. Wow. I mean. Yeah, Rex revealed a couple of weeks ago that that was the one job that he interviewed for. And for whatever reason, did not get it uh, over Vance Joseph. But, that, I mean, that would be nice. I mean, that would be something that kind of, you know, I'm already a pseudo Bronco fan. I think that would just help the cause. 
Yeah, that would be they, you'd have a little bit more rooting interest over there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, um, Rex Ryan jersey. I would love a Rex a Rex Ryan Jet jersey would be fire, so fire. Um, yeah, I think I even wear with with HC on the back instead yeah, of a yeah. good, uh, good for Rex though. We're we're big fans of Rex here at the pod. Yeah, if he ever wants to come on, he's more than welcome. Yeah, that's the thing. He's been so good, even this morning uh, with ESPN, at least when it comes to the Jets and stuff. I'm not a big get up guy, but I listen to a lot of his radio appearances and he's very good. You mean you don't get up often? I don't get up often. Not not these days. Stinks. Um, All right. Let's get up around the league. Uh, How about about we we get into these picks? I do have a pending pick. I'm not sure how you did, but is this is this another week where we're on the brink of being perfect? Well, right now we're both sitting with uh one one pick correct. Uh, you got the Bengals, I got the Rams, so no no uh ground gain there. Um, I did unfortunately take the Bills uh minus fourteen and a half. Uh, I'm good. And that was uh that was a really good pick. Um, you are waiting on your Cowboys minus two and a half tonight. Our guest uh was swimmingly uh not even not even a sweat in the world after. Being down fourteen nothing in the first quarter and ultimately winning what forty two to fourteen or forty two to twenty one the Dolphins won yeah. so no sweat there from our guest uh, as of right now we sit you are nine and two with sixteen points I am seven and five with ten points and our guest four one and one. I'm uh, different. I'm just, I'm just, I'm on it. I'm on it. You certainly are different. Uh, but we let's see the Cowboys point, do. Two point play for me tonight. A pick that you don't like, but what do I care? Um, when someone doesn't like my pick, and you know they're not even the same stratosphere as me, I don't care much. I got the Cowboys minus two and a half. Um, an interesting game tonight. One that I'm excited about. Uh, picks have been great for me, and honestly, I haven't even been betting them, which is kind of a shame. But I hope I've been able to win even one person. Um, some money. So well, you I know, know you were you out know, yesterday. Uh, what'd you say? I'm so, sorry. What's that? What did you just say? I'm sorry. I was uh, I was speak trying to speak over you. Oh yeah, I'm sure you were. Uh, well, why don't you just get that out then? I was I was going to say that the you know I I think I was I don't like this game tonight because uh, we spoke on the podcast about uh, I'm not I don't want to say like I'm rooting against you per se, but for the sake of you know the 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 pick segment and the sake of the uh, competitiveness, I will most definitely be rooting for the Chargers tonight. Yeah, I just wanted uh, to throw that out there. I wouldn't expect anything less. I think it would actually be lame if you uh, didn't at least feign rooting against me. Um, so I know that you were kind of busy for the one o'clock slate. So I will, I will take the honor of uh, taking us through here. There were, uh, there were some good games here. Uh, we went over Thursday, I believe that chiefs Bronco game already. So we will skip ahead uh, to open the week. Ravens at Titans, technically, but uh, this was a London vehicle, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was. I actually did see this one, and I, I mean, the Titans stink. I think Derrick Henry is. He had a long run, but outside the long run, you know, he he just doesn't look like. Maybe he's outside his window. Maybe this offensive line is bad, but uh, the Titans are. You know, they got. DeAndre Hopkins there, you know, fighting with guys in the sidelines. It's just not – nothing's good there. It's I think Ryan Tannehill get, actually got injured at the very, very end of this game and, like, limped off. Um, they're kind of in no man's land to me. Uh, and then as for the Ravens, look, 
they they win the game and i feel like every time they play it's like they win these like ugly like there's so many things that could have gone wrong but just like they barely piece it together wins i don't know how i feel about the ravens i think it's lamar jackson and he's got zero help around him uh and it would be interesting to see what they do as far as making a trade possibly or just just picking someone up off of the scrap heap or i i don't even know but help Lamar Jackson. That's that's my stance on this game. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, back-to-back weeks, they're in trouble with receivers, but a nice win for them. Uh, next game on the schedule here, the Washington Commanders heading to Atlanta. This was uh, the most Commanders-Falcons game uh, you can imagine. We'd mentioned Desmond Ritter before. He had three interceptions in this game. Uh, Sam Howell on the other side didn't rack up a ton of yards, but threw for three touchdowns, was sacked five times. Uh, the Commanders win this one 24 to 16. You catch any of this uh, dumpster fire? Uh, a couple plays here and there. Uh, I thought this was uh, this was actually Desmond Ritter's first home loss in his entire career. We were all over that. Um, I, I said I like the Falcons in this game just based on that. Uh, but hey, Commanders get a get a get a win. Um, you know, the NFC East, you can let's see what happens with the Cowboys tonight, but could be a could be a somewhat meaningful win for them. Uh, could not be, but uh, there again, another one of those middle ground teams. So us remain to be seen on the commanders. Yep. The next game on the schedule here, this was kind of the, uh, this was the nail in the coffin for my fantasy week here when I lost Justin Fields after he's not even able to put one in the end zone. Uh, the Vikings with a much needed win, they heard some, what I would call good news about Justin Jefferson in that doctors believe he could return in four to six weeks. Uh, Kirk Cousins wants to stay for the long haul here with Minnesota. They just barely edge out Chicago, uh, 19 to 13. I believe they lost Justin Fields early in the third quarter. Yeah, and it's a concerning injury because it's a uh, he dislocated his thumb and and they actually popped it back in. But they're now he's going for MRIs and trying to see if there's any ligament damage there in the thumb and. I believe it's also his throwing hand. If, yeah, correct it couldn't me if be I'm my wrong. quarterback. My quarterback yeah. broke his thumb on his throwing hand last year and played all year. Yes. But uh, we'll, we'll remain to be seen there. I mean, if there's no Justin Fields on the Bears. That could get really, really ugly. But um, And then as for the Vikings, yeah, I mean, keep your head above water, I guess. Uh, big win yeah, in now. terms of the season. Uh, and, you know, I guess if you're a Vikings fan, you have Kirk Cousins there for the rest of the year. Woohoo. Yep. Uh, next so. game on schedule here. This is one that I hit on in the picks. Um, one of the more exciting games of the week, I guess. The Bengals didn't exactly show out the way that we thought they did, but still able to cover the number Seattle to Cincinnati. Cincinnati able to win this one, 17 to 13. Any of this uh, you're able to catch? Yeah, I did. And, and I, the only thing I really want to say, and it's a little bit of me rim hanging, but this, I want to say, I don't want to say I was like so right because it seemed a little like too obvious to me, but I think the Geno Smith best year thing, I'm happy, you know, he's still a quarterback, happy he's, you know, an average quarterback, I'll say, but I think that was, we saw the best of Geno Smith last year. And I think that this game, you know, he goes 27 to 41, 323 and two interceptions, sacked four times. Uh, I think this is another one of those middle of the road teams. And when Geno plays a good game, they'll be good. Gino plays a bad game, uh, they'll be bad, and I think he's in the middle there. So they should uh, – they're, yeah, I mean, uh, they're going to be mid. Still a, he's still a very viable starter. He still makes a lot of high-level throws and things like that. But, yeah, Cincinnati uh, barely able to cover that number. Now, this was the 
I don't know if you want to call this the stunner of the week or if you want to call the Jet game the stunner of the week, but the Browns edge out the 49ers 19-17. to San Francisco loses Debo in this game, and they also lose Christian McCaffrey towards the end. We'll take a check on him, I guess. But um, Brock Purdy handed his first regular season loss in the NFL. Yeah, and I actually went back and watched the condensed game of this um, I, this Browns defense is for real. And I think that just very much like Tyrod Taylor and, you know, very much like we see a lot of times when like backup quarterbacks come in, they not only do they play with like a chip on their shoulder, but like a lot of these backup quarterbacks are, are in spots where they they're there for their experience. And sometimes just having that experience and, you know, PJ Walker comes in yeah, and he's an XFL guy. Well, though. They didn't play well, but like, like if I, they, if I told you that he was going to throw the ball 34 times, not throw for any touchdowns, but two interceptions. Would you say that the Browns had a chance of winning this game? Probably not. No, no, but I think just like we say about the Jets with the, you know, the defense and obviously he played he, he, the two interceptions, obviously uh, don't put them in a good place to win. But I think if you have a defense and sometimes there's marching down the field and kicking a field goal or relying on your running game, like the, the Browns did yesterday with 17 carries from Jerome Ford and, Blast from the past, uh, Kareem Hunt with 12 carries and a touchdown. Uh, you know, I think if you can rely on the run game sh- for long enough and sustain long drives, you can win games. And sometimes these veteran backups, like we saw with Tyrod Taylor, like, you know, it, literally, I think Tyrod Taylor might have played the exact same game because it was just long sustained drive, but couldn't punch it in and then rely on the defense. But yeah. for the Browns, they have a much better defense than the Giants. So I think that's yeah, the difference do. there. Yes, they do. Uh, the Panthers remain defeated. 0-6, they went into Miami. Uh, Miami hangs another 40-burger on a team. This one, 42-21. to um, This was probably one of the games where Bryce Young probably looked maybe his best. Uh, I didn't think the Panthers looked all that bad in this game. It was just the Dolphins going to overpower a lot of teams offensively. Yeah, I mean, so full transparency, I had – the uh, Dolphins minus six in the first half. Did you see the end of the first half in this game? Yeah, they were uh, they're down 14 nothing. They've racked up three touchdowns pretty quick. So and congratulations. They're up by so it's 21 to 14 with as time is expiring in the first half. The Panthers line up for like a 30, 40 yard field goal, miss, and I win my bet. Yeah, good for you. Thank you. That's nice. That wasn't even a snarky good for you. That, that's a nice bet. <laughs> Uh, the Colts in Jacksonville with Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew threw the ball 50 times in this game. Jacksonville uh, able to knock them all by a score of 37 to 20. Uh, I don't know if you caught any of this game. This was just, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure the Colts were ever really in this game. The, even even the score is, uh, you know, the Colts scored 14 points uh, right at the end of the game there. They, they never really were in this one. Yeah, I, this was my – I honestly didn't see a snap of this game. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we might just breeze past that one. Yeah. Go, go, go Jaguars. Well, that's good because your favorite quarterback in the NFL was home hosting the New Orleans Saints this week, and they were able to win by a score of 20-13. to 13. This was a boring game. This was one of those, like, every time it popped up on red zone, I was just like, ugh. But yeah, Texans and, three and three—that's that's a pretty good start. Yeah, a team that a lot of you know, I would venture to guess that their over under was maybe like four or five games going into the season. There, they could probably blow that out of the water. I mean, 
I just said about, you know, them playing the Jets that that could possibly be a, a, an upset game for the Jets there. But yeah, love what I see out of CJ Shroud. Love what I see out of this Texans team. Um, they're, they're just, I think they're just well balanced. They run the ball. They have a CJ Shroud throws his, I think it was his first interception. Um, and, and then they just have like these, you know, wet little low key weapons around them. And then as for the Saints, I mean, Derek Carr stinks. Let's just be honest. Yeah, he kind of does. Glad he's, he's not a Jet. Uh, we got, I think, only really two games here left because the Jets and Eagles, with, uh, with the Jets and Giants have some later games here. Uh, we do have the Raiders defeating the Patriots in Las Vegas by a score of 21 to 17. Uh, that that knocks the Patriots down to one and five. Uh, very similar to the Giants. They're not a great team. I don't know if you caught any of this game. Uh, it was another boring one. Yeah, I was I was able to watch the 431s, but um, the yeah, I mean the I think these are just two bad teams that overall. Uh, obviously, the Patriots one and five, one of the worst teams in the entire league, in my opinion. If if not, I think there's a strong argument that they are the worst team in the NFL. Yeah, a yeah. really strong argument. And then uh, as as for the Raiders, kind of a scary situation with Jimmy Garoppolo, where gets uh, hit, his hurts his back, and then goes to the hospital for fear of like possible like organ damage i think it was or just like to make sure that he wasn't like internally bleeding or anything but kind of yeah. a scary scenario there so we'll see what that leads to the uh, the raiders but again another one of these middle ground teams that's like might end up somehow slipping into the playoffs if things fall their way might end up with the fifth pick in the draft if things don't hard to say right now yeah, NFL legend and future Canton enshrinee, uh, Brian Hoyer, able to get some action in that game. So that's great. Yep. Uh, let's gloss over Eagles-Jets. Let's gloss over Giants-Bills. The last game we have here was the Lions heading to Tampa Bay, um, kind of ending that little uh, fairy tale that Tampa had. Uh, Tampa Bay unable to find the end zone in this game. This this was my one of the first times all year that I like I overthought this game so, so much. And I was like, uh, you know, I look at the lines like early in the week and I'm like, damn, Lions only minus three against the Bucks. Like I'm always here gassing up the Lions, how well they play and they run this automatic offense. And then they like I'm like, I should have taken them. Like I'm just I'm sitting there like that's one of the, my that might be the first time all year that I'm like kicking myself for not taking a team. It just pissed me off. I had to get that off my chest. Yeah, yeah. So that'll wrap up the week. We'll have another episode later in the week. We'll try to hit on some baseball, uh, obviously make some more picks, preview the week. Um, it won't be a stressful episode with no Jets game, so that's nice. Uh, anything else you wanted to add? I just want to throw in a quick uh, let's go Jets, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, no, all, all good on my end. Um, yeah, you know, uh, very happy to be a Jet fan today. Uh, great vibes going into the bye week. Uh, definitely going to get catch up on some baseball this week, the Monday Night Football game tonight. We'll be back later this week for uh, another episode. Uh, again, kind of a little bit of a weird schedule. Also going to get into some basketball preview at some time this week. I'll have Brandon on. Uh, we'll get into some, uh, you know, Knicks, Nets with basketball right around the corner as well. Um, but, yeah, nothing for me to add. Um, happy to be a Jet fan. Uh, thank you all for listening, and peace out.